conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Travis Newton. Today we are tackling the topic of Jimmy Eat World, and this is a band that, Travis, I think it's safe to say you and I both enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, that's true. Um, you and I said we would do this when we did our episode on Motion City Soundtrack, so I'm glad we're we're following up and making good on that promise, so... Um, yeah, this is this is a band that I got to in my high school years. Um, I started high school in 2001 when their record Bleed American hit, and their three singles from their three huge singles from that album were incredibly popular for for me and uh, most of my friend group. So that was when that was when I first got into Jimmy Eat World. But they have three albums before that record that um, you know I have less knowledge of. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, and we'll just jump right in here with their 90s records, that you and I both haven't heard the very first record, which is technically their first self-titled record because of things we will get into shortly, but we can't find it. It's not on Apple Music. It's not on Spotify. It's out of print. So it seems like very few people have heard this one and just clicking on the Wikipedia page, it says it was limited to 2000 copies. So that's not a lot. Yeah, it was basically an underground record. And, you know, the the sound, from what I understand, is pretty different from the way that they eventually sort of, you know, decided to sound. Like, most of the lead vocals on this one are not sung by Jim Adkins. They're sung by the other vocalist, Tom Linton, who still sings lead on some songs on their next record, Static Prevails. Um, but by the time Static Prevails came around, they had kind of more focused on what would become their eventual sound. Yeah, and with Static Prevails even, you can tell it's in the midst of the figuring it out stage for the band because a lot of people talk about the sophomore slump. And for this band, I think it wasn't necessarily a slump because they signed to Capitol Records. You know, that's a big deal after their first record that Apparently, we will never hear, but, you know, with this, it definitely felt a little grittier, louder almost, and it just had this different style, and I didn't care for the vocals quite as much from Linton, so I'm kind of glad Jim Adkins just took over after this. Yeah, I mean, Adkins is the stronger vocalist and, and really captures, I think, what the band is going for as sound um because like the record has a really strong opener with the track called thinking that's all and then the next track is called rockstar and it's sung by tom linton and boy it is a huge downswing in energy and it's just an immediate like i don't know deviation from what was going so well about the previous track and then the the album just kind of trades off on the two of them and doesn't really find exactly uh, where it should be centered. And um, there are some good songs on this that I revisit from time to time, but it's rare that I will put this album on and listen to it. Yeah, I remember listening to the closing track and just musically, I was like, oh, this is certainly them trying something very different to kind of figure out what direction they want to go in. And honestly, the guitars in that final track, they were a little grating to my ears because it felt like they just cranked their amps up to 11 and were like, let's go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a roughness about these older records that I think was 
in vogue for for a while you know definitely in their in their indie days it would have been in some ways fashionable to be a little bit um grating you know like uh they, they do some of these kind of bigger like static and feedback infused soundscapes on some of their songs and that kind of still persists that's something they've never fully abandoned but here it definitely gets a little bit much i think in some in some parts like anderson mesa the song you're talking about for sure gets a little bit much but um this this doesn't quite have the polish that the next record would have and that is clarity you can tell this is definitely a step up for them and they're closing out the 90s decade on a high note, in my opinion, because this is where you get, you know, one of their bigger songs from the album, Lucky Denver Mint. And you have just this sound that you can tell is right for the band. And this is really not necessarily when I started to get into the band, because I would have been seven when this record came out. No. I would have been six when this record came out. (laughs) And, you know, I wasn't listening to my own music just yet. But I think with these first records, it's very much let's find our footing. Okay, we found our footing. And then from there, this band just blows up. Yeah, Clarity didn't quite hit East Coast, like top 40 or or pop like rock alternative radio. Um, I would have been 12 or 13 when this hit. And so it would have been the right time for me to discover this record. But for whatever reason, it just it didn't get the kind of airplay um, that their next record would. But yeah, you're right. Like Lucky Denver Mint is a great song, super strong single. Uh, I really love Goodbye Sky Harbor. And I kind of wish that they would do something a little bit more akin to that. You know, it's a 16 minute epic uh, and I'm thinking, you know, there's they they really hit on something with that, and they they really haven't revisited it. Um, but there are still elements of that kind of sound in in for in later records. Yeah, I know. I told you that I was going to go back and listen to a handful of the records that I was a little less familiar with. So I listened to Static Prevails, Clarity, Chase This Light, Invented, and I got most of the way through Surviving because that one being more recent, you know, I hadn't listened to it just quite as much as some of the others. But with Static Prevails and Clarity in particular, I'm not 100% sure how much I will go back to Static Prevails just because of how much it feels like the band is figuring things out and it's not a really cohesive record. And, you know, that's not to say you can't have different types of songs on records. But I think for me, I just need things to flow a little better. And that's sometimes very hard to do when you aren't having the same lead singer on the songs. Mm -hmm, Agreed. The huge break for them obviously was with Bleed American. And this hit in the summer of 2001, just a scant few months before 9-11. And um, the uh, huge, huge single from the, um, from the album, which is also I believe called, yeah, it's Bleed American. The song was doing really, really well on the rock alternative station. I remember down here and then it got way less airplay after 9-11. And then I remember they re-released the album. Um, they called it Jimmy Eat World for a bit. And then they retitled that song Salt, Sweat, Sugar, which is nowhere near as good a title. <laughs> um, it's, uh, this is a, a tremendous record. And I, you know, I was familiar enough with the singles and my friends were crazy about the record. And it took me, I would probably say, a good six months for me to like finally meet this record 
on its own terms. Like I wanted to wait until a little bit of the fervor had died down because I find, I still like to this day, the middle is, it's a good single, but it's a little too saccharine for me, which is, it's funny to say, I'm not trying to be punny, but sweetness is way, way more my tempo. That was the single that kind of broke them open for me. Yeah. The middle is the song that introduced me to this band and I didn't really start listening to my own music until like late middle school early high school and that's when you know I started hanging out with my friends outside of school more and they introduced me to a bunch of things so that wouldn't have been until like around 2007 so by the time Chase This Light came out was when I really started to get into my own music and Jimmy World was one of those bands so you know the middle had to have just been on K-Rock or something you know and that's how I kept hearing it because that song has had a very long life you can still hear that song places and I agree with you, though, even though I don't have a problem with the middle, I think Sweetness is definitely the song that I really, really love off of this album. And it's just really the first kind of full album I remember listening to from them. And then Futures is another one that I was into as well. Yeah, Futures, I remember Futures hitting and not getting a whole lot of critical acclaim um, from the publications I was reading, and it was a, kind of a lesser loved album, but I think it's aged really, really well for me. Again, you know, on the good Jimmy Eat World albums, they all have strong openers. So Futures starts with this really incredible like hammer hit uh, in the in the title track, and it's just, it, it's it's awesome. You know, it's a really, really good song. And they kind of similar to the last album, they kind of front load this record with the higher energy songs. So Futures, Just Tonight, Work is a little bit more laid back, but fairly up-tempo. Pain, of course, was the, the bigger single from that record. You know, kind of like their other, other records will tend to drift a little bit more as the album gets into its second side. And it's, I don't know, like um, Drugs Are Me, for instance. I don't like the lyrics to that song, but the kind of soundscapes, the kind of washed out feedback stuff is again sort of more of that textural elements that I that I liked from previous records like I, I like hearing that they're indulging in, in that kind of soundscape again um, it provides a really nice contrast to the more like guitar forward singles yeah the singles from these two records in particular are the ones that really solidified for me hey I like this band and I want to keep listening to them and I've mentioned this to you before but for the listeners, just to reiterate here, I have not been listening to music quite as much lately, simply because I'm doing so much work in podcasts and videos. So I literally cannot listen to music while I am working because that just wouldn't work at all. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> so my music listening has really fallen off in the last, I don't know, probably three years, give or take. And for me, I was always a person who really liked listening to albums versus listening to playlists. And I remember just wanting to listen to Bleed American in Futures whenever I would want to listen to this band, because sometimes it's the first album that you hear from a band that kind of sticks with you. I think that's why 
with even a band like Green Day, you know, American Idiot was the album I kept returning to because it wasn't that I didn't know other Green Day songs. I had like international super hits or something. But, you know, that's in a sense more of a playlist because it's a greatest hits album. And American Idiot was the first album I constantly listen to front to back. And it's one of their albums that I find myself wanting to return to more than maybe some of their others. And I can definitely say that with Bleed American and Futures for Jimmy World. Yeah. And I I think that's really, really common. I think it's impossible to deny just how impressionable we are at at those ages like when we first hear these these records like when we get our first impressions of these bands like those are the records that are going to stick with us like you know statistically speaking like those are going to be the ones that are that we think are the best just because we were 13 and i also think these you know in addition to us just like being 12 or 13 when we got into these bands it's like oh well these also these are also like pretty good records i think futures has aged really well yeah um and i'm happy to happy to hear that one of the albums that got i think even less praise was chase this light but here's the funny thing i've always had a spot a soft spot for this record yeah when i was listening to it i was like oh this is better than i kind of expected it to be because i'm sure i had listened to it maybe once or twice before just because i at one point in time would get into a band and then want to listen to everything they did. So I'm sure I did at some point. I don't really remember it. So this almost felt like a first time listen for me. And, you know, it kicks off with Big Casino. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to like this album more than I expected just because so few people seem to talk about this one. Yeah. uh, Big Casino, another huge high energy opener. kind of reminds me of sweetness a little bit in tempo. Um, There's a bigness to it. Let It Happen is actually one of my favorite songs of theirs ever. It opens with this really, really strong acoustic riff that um, I always, is pretty much always looping somewhere in my brain. But um, this is a shorter record from them. It's a 40 minute record and the songs are shorter, punchier, fun pop songs like uh, Electable is a really, really fun pop song. Same with Feeling Lucky. This is when the band, I think, does it's sort of like optimistic, corny stuff really, really well. Because like later on, I think they've gotten more sincere in their lyrics as a band and they've gotten a little bit more like embracing just like direct corniness. And that's not, that's not really a problem, but I think it, that, that sort of direct sincerity and corniness works better on this record than it does on any of their other ones. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Invented was another one that I hadn't heard a ton about for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because I was so into Bleed American and Futures that I kind of just missed these two records. And then by the time I was paying attention to like new releases again, it was when Damage came out. So I think these two just somehow flew under the radar for me. And I don't know if it's because my friends also weren't really listening to these ones or what, but that is how it happened. Yeah, Invented is where I started to fall off with them because there are a bunch of songs I invent on Invented that I will skip pretty much every time. And it, it pains me to say that because like when Invented came out, I was still a really big fan of the band. But like my best theory is again a really really strong sing uh, really really strong single, um, but like by the third track, the, I feel like the album has already lost energy. Um, the you know the opener "Heart Is Hard to Find" is good by by the time you get to like "Action Needs an Audience," which is the tenth track the tenth track on the album. It's like I don't I'm not quite sure what they're doing anymore. Like this 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 record really isn't working for me. Um, when I when I bought the record. 
I bought the deluxe one from iTunes and it did come with some really good <laughs> covers on it. Um, there's a cover of a Wilco song called you and I, which is, which is good. But my, one of my favorite things they've ever done, you know, that, that they really kind of spoke to me was they covered precision auto, which is a super chunk song. And it's my favorite super chunk song. Um, and they do a really, really good version of it. So I was really, really happy to hear that, uh, on this record. But other than that, you know, aside from, I would say four songs in the album proper, I don't really find myself re- revisiting this record. And then by the time the next one rolled around, I was kind of even less enamored of their sound. For me, the big song off of this record is Coffee and Cigarettes, and I actually prefer the acoustic version. So I was listening through the deluxe version on Apple Music, and I was glad that was in there because that's one that I threw on some acoustic playlist forever ago, and it always pleases me when it comes up. So for me, that's kind of like the song I knew off of this record, and I was not familiar with anything else going into it. Mm -hmm. And then coming into uh, Damage, this was a record that when it was released, I listened through it one time. I I probably would have listened to it, I don't know, through a friend's iTunes account or something like that. I forget how, but literally nothing stuck with me on it. Um, Evidently, the the two singles from it were Damage and I Will Steal You Back. And I I really, I can't sing you either. I, I can't remember a single hook from them. It's a short record. It's even, it's even shorter than um, Chase This Light. It's 37 minutes. But, you know, Appreciation is an okay opener. But by the time they, they get to Book of Love on track four, I'm, I'm kind of fully done with the record. Like, I, I really don't see myself going back and, and listen to, listening to this one. It just um, didn't find a single song to hook me. Like, there's, there's nothing on this record I find that... Um, makes me crave listening to it again and you know, again it, it, it it's no fun for me to say this like i don't enjoy heaping dirt on this record at all um because i i like this band and, and want to like everything they put out but this one just didn't work for me i think there was some record store day release it was like a seven inch with just the singles on it or something and i remember picking that up but i kind of don't remember anything else about this record Mm. And then there are, I think, more highlights on Integrity Blues. It's still not a good record overall, but like the first two tracks are good. The last two tracks are good. And then there's an there's a song called Pass the Baby uh, that is otherwise a bad song, but it has this long instrumental breakdown in like the last two minutes of the song where it's like they just turned into Rage Against the Machine. Like it's all this really like heavy pentatonic riffing. And I'm like, this is cool. I don't know why it's in this song, um, but I like that. I, the rest of the song, I think I could never listen to again. <laughs> but that last like two minutes of Past the Baby is right up my alley. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But I actually really do like Integrity Blues. I think the singles are great. Like you said, past the baby, it's kind of out there for them. But I think overall, this album kind of works more top to bottom than I think invented and damaged do for me. Yeah, I mean, sure and certain is a is a good single. It's not one I find myself listening to often from them, but it's a good song that I think captures a, a softer side of the band. Um, and it is, you know, with with no trace of irony, the most assured song on the record in terms of sound. Um, it finds a groove. It, it knows its hooks and um, is, you know, definitely worth listening to if you're curious at all about this record. Yeah. And I want to 
backtrack real quick because I did listen to one of the covers off of their iTunes session from 2013, and it's a cover mm-hmm. of Taylor Swift's We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. And oh, wow. I otherwise find the original version of that very annoying. It has nothing to do with Taylor, really. It's just it got played so much on the radio. I like a bunch of other Taylor Swift songs, but for some reason, this one was just completely grating to me. So I listened to this cover out of curiosity. I was like, will I like this? Because I wanted to know if I just didn't like the production on Taylor's version and like kind of the way it was sung versus not liking the song or the lyrics as a whole. And I think I definitely like this one better. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to check that one out. That's got, that's flown under my radar, but uh, yeah, Jimmy world has some really good covers. Obviously my favorite one is that super chunk one. Yeah, I'll definitely check the Taylor Swift album. They also covered last Christmas by wham. Yes. Which is a super silly song, but I, I, they, they know that playing it and I think they have a lot of fun with it. I, I purchased it on some compilation from iTunes. God knows when very long time ago, but um, it's fun. Yeah. I always am very interested in what songs bands choose to cover because I think it says a lot about a band, you know, super chunk and Taylor Swift, not remotely the same. No, no. It represents, I think a really broad, you know, uh, sense of taste from the band and, you know, I would hope so with, you know, four or five people in a band that tastes are going to be broad and influences are going to be numerous. Um, it'd be boring if you got, you know, four or five people in a band and they all listen to the same exact, only the same exact things, you know, that's, that's not something that happens, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, but Surviving is the most recent album from 2019. Like I said, this was kind of at the time when I had started falling off with my music listening because What I had done, which is very foolish of me, and I should have known better, was I tried to listen to so much new music and keep a list of all of the new music that I listened to for, I want to say, two or three years in a row. And it was exhausting to try and listen to like three or four new albums a week because I didn't really have time to revisit them. At that point, I was already listening to a bunch of podcasts and starting my own podcasts and things like that. And it was just way too much all the time. And it just got me so burnt out on music. And, you know, I had a music podcast called Misaligned. And I kind of had to have a talk with my co-host at the time, Megan Moore, and just be like, I don't think I can keep doing a music podcast because I have completely burnt myself out on music. It's it's easy to do that, um, especially like when you're listening really, really actively with a critical ear. Yeah. There is plenty of times that I listen passively where, you know, I'm, I'm certainly absorbing things, whether it's like, you know, unconsciously memorizing the lyrics to something or, you know, unconsciously hearing the chord progression or something like that. But to really sit down and analyze a record, you know, is is way more taxing, I think, on the brain than, than any of us give ourselves credit for. You know, I can't passively listen to a record while I'm commuting on I-95 and, and come up with a good critical take on it. I can tell <laughs> I can tell you generally whether I like something or not, but um, I wouldn't be able to give you much of a deeper analysis than that. But thankfully, um, with Surviving, I've been able to give this record its due. You know, when this hit, um, in late 2019, 
it was kind of what I was looking for from them. Yeah. You know, um, they've certainly evolved as a band. Like one of the, the big thing, one of the biggest things that's changed about them is like, I can listen to and read lyrics from their earlier albums. And a lot of the time, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> you know, there, there are some things like, um, you know, the, the chorus for bleed American, for instance, salt, sweat, sugar on the asphalt, our hearts littering, our hearts littering the topsoil tune in and we can get the last call. Our lives are coal. Okay. Um, I understand all those words. I don't know what the hell they mean in context, you know, and I, and I love the idea that we can interpret this any number of ways. Obviously, you know, whoever's writing the songs has a take. They know what it's about. But when you listen to songs on surviving, they're very directly about you know, very understandable things. Um, there is very little use of like really sp- like specific metaphor. Like um, y- there is like no mystery as to what any of these songs are about anymore. And on some level that does get a little bit corny, but I also appreciate that they're, they're kind of embracing, I don't know, an easier sound, um, but still haven't lost an edge like criminal energy that song rocks. It kicks butt. It's got a really, really good riff. I think it's, I think it's in drop D. So it's easy to, easy to play fun. Um, just a, a really fun banger of a track. Uh, and then congratulations is one of my favorite songs they've ever done. This is one I'm really hoping that I do get to revisit a little more. I actually didn't quite finish it before we hopped on this call here. I made it to Diamond, which is the seventh track. And I was enjoying it. And one of the songs here will actually lead into one of my recommendations. I'm going to do two today since the first one is technically not out yet and you can't actually enjoy it. But this album, I think, just kind of brought them back to their full form, if you will. Even though I really, really enjoy Integrity Blues, I think for fans like yourself who maybe fell off after Chase This Light or Invented, this really felt like a, hey, we're back kind of thing. And one thing I did notice is that a lot of their albums have three-year gaps between them. Yeah, that seems to be about their normal pace. Yep. Which is amazing because a lot of bands, especially once they're on big labels like Capitol and things like that, they're kind of on this 18-month cycle. And you're getting albums from them practically every other year. And I like that they do get a little extra time than maybe some other bands would take or would have. And I think because of how much they blew up with Bleed American, that kind of gave them some cushion. Because how many times did you hear the middle on the radio or even in commercials, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I mean, look, if there's one Jimmy Eat World song out of their entire discography that you could like walk into a Home Depot and playing over the PA and like, yeah. in Home Depot, it's that one. And, you know, I think I've heard it in the grocery store. I think I've heard it in a pharmacy. It is so pervasive. I, and I sincerely hope that song pays their bills. I really do yeah. <laughs> because they struck gold with it clearly, but it's, it's gotten to the point where like I could go without ever hearing that song again. It's not a bad song, but my God, did it hit and, and it, and it broke outside of what, what I think their typical like rock alternative audience would be like it broke out into the pop, uh, into the pop sphere and, and did really, really well. And, um, you know, became a song that you could present to your parents and go, look, you know, this band is nice. 
Yeah. And I really do just love how consistent they've been. I know you said you fell off for a couple records, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not that bad. It's not. You know, I I think they've had um, the kind of release schedule and consistency in sound that a lot of bands don't. You know, I think they've had their ups and downs. and, And if I were continuing to see a downward trend, like if surviving had been really boring and like not my cup of tea, then I think I would be in a really different mindset of like, well, maybe it's time for me to you know, put my, you know, put my love of Jimmy Eat World in a different context and, and embrace that some bands just, you know, decline and you change as a listener. And that is okay. You know, that's, that's something to, you know, that you might have a little bit of a grieving process with something you love, but that's, this is fairly normal. But I was, I was really jazzed at how well surviving did for, with me, like being as different as it is. Like, again, that, that approach to sincerity, that approach to the kind of corniness and directness in their lyrics was, was really noticeable for me in this record. It was like, oh, right. Yeah. There's again, there's no mysteries here. Um, and I think part of that is Jim Adkins being a lot more open about his particular struggles. I believe he's struggled with, um, addiction and has made a lot of that, um, public now, uh, where it wasn't before. So I think him being more open is, is given us, songs like these and you know i'm not i'm not against it i think it's a great record and if they continue making great records then i'm here for jimmy world yeah and some fans are so adamant that bands stay the same but it's like you know you grow as a person so the bands are obviously going to grow as people too especially bands that got their starts really young you know some bands kind of blew up when they were in their late teens, early 20s. And it's like, you don't know anything at that point in your life. So it's kind of crazy to me when fans get so mad about those things. Because for you and I, it's like, oh, there were some albums we didn't like. It's no big deal. But you will still always have those albums that you love. Yeah, I mean, it's it'd be crazy to expect the Beatles to still be playing Please Please Me by the time that they were doing like Barbara Soul. You know what I mean? It's it's not the same kind of tracks anymore, folks, and it's it's better for it. You know, the evolution is something that I think we should all seek. You know, there's there's no way that these guys can be middle aged and still kind of capturing what they did, you know, with clarity. Um it's it was never gonna be that way. So um I'm I'm glad that they're they're still kicking. Um it, it brings me a lot of brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. So have you seen the band live? You know, I was at I was at the Buzz Bake Sale, which was, you know, my my local rock alternative station where I grew up was 103.1 The Buzz and they had the big <laughs> festival. Uh and it was called the Buzz Bake Sale. They did it every year. And Jimmy Eat World played that show and I missed their set. They were playing on the secondary stage. Oh. I had just seen I think I had just seen some 41 on the second like the smaller stage before. And that was a really, they played a really strong set. It was really active. And, you know, it was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be in the pit for the next band. <laughs> so I went and sat on the lawn and I watched whatever band was setting up on the main stage. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had one, I was, I saw them at one, or I was at one show where they were, but I, I just didn't see them. This is before I really liked the band. I thankfully have seen them live. I saw them at the glass house in Pomona and I want to say it was their 2016 show possibly because I would have been home from college and it was so good they are so good live and 
I remember I was driving home and a giant rock flew and hit my windshield and cracked it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't memorable. actually know how big the rock was because it was so dark, but I have like, I still have the dent in the glass. Like it oh, wow. took a chip out. I mean, got it filled and everything. But yeah, so I remember how good they were and I remember how I got a crack in my windshield. <laughs> <laughs> you remember what you were listening to when you got the crack in your windshield? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. But overall, very, very solid band, solid discography. I'm always happy to revisit their music when I get a chance. You know, like I said, I don't do a whole lot of music listening. And even when I do, it ends up being like soundtrack music because I put it on while I'm reading and I can't have words distracting me while I'm trying to read it doesn't go well for me. <laughs> sure, sure. Something a little more atmospheric and passive. Yeah. Yeah. But Travis, before we go, I want to dive into some recommendations. Like I mentioned, I have two since you technically can't enjoy one of my recommendations just yet. But what's yours? Well, one of the reasons that I stuck with Jimmy Eat World during the years where I thought their output wasn't quite what I wanted, you know, things like Damage and Integrity Blues was... um. Jim Adkins put out a solo EP called I Will Go, and I absolutely loved it. It's I still listen to it to this day, and the song, the first song, I Will Go, is kind of an was kind of an anthem when I needed a bit of a when I needed one. You know, it, was, it felt like an important song to me. Um, he covers girls just don't girls just want to have fun on it, and it's an okay cover, kind of a low energy for him. But what I really dig about this is it kind of revisits some of the indie acoustic roughness that um, Jimmy Eat World had Jimmy Eat World had done in the past and um, I would recommend it to anybody uh, who likes Jimmy Eat World so that's the I Will Go EP by Jim Adkins. Nice yeah I don't know if I've listened to that I want to say I have but I'm not 100% sure but my first recommendation which you can go and enjoy right now is Jim Adkins podcast that he did last year, Passed Through Frequencies, and it has 20 episodes. It looks like he stopped doing it in December, which I don't know if it was just supposed to be a pandemic thing that he was doing to pass the time, but he had conversations with Mark Hoppus, William Ryan Key from Yellow Card, and Steve Aoki. So there's a ton of great guests there. Like I said, there's about 20 episodes to listen to. And my second recommendation, which I have on pre-order, is the Jimmy World 555 comic. So... Oh, is this kind of based on the stuff they did for the 555 music video? I believe so. And it seems to be something new that, like, Z2 Comics in particular is doing. They have a lot of music based comics and I had never heard of this company before but they've done like Chuck D presents Apocalypse 91, Freddie Mercury stuff and they've teamed up with a bunch of people. So I have that on pre-order. I can't really speak to its quality since I don't have it yet, but I thought anyone who likes this band might want to know that that does exist. That is a fun music video too by the way. It was one of the things that made me really like Surviving as a record is 
that music video has Jim Adkins and, and other band members dressed up like low budget, like sci-fi characters, almost like characters you might see like the, the Mads on um, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I was like, with, with such a serious subject matter in that song, the fact that they're willing to do a really funny video for it was like, all right, you know, at least they have a sense of humor about all this and they're, they're willing to kind of balance out kind of a heavier song uh, lyrically with a, with a really light tone and silly video. So um, I'll check this out for sure. Yeah. And even though I wasn't super familiar with surviving, I'm always interested in bands trying new things and comics are right up my alley. So I was like, I'm going to support, I'm going to get this. And hopefully by the time it arrives, I will have listened to the album one or two more times. Yeah. I'll be eager to hear your take on the comic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this quick conversation on Jimmy World. I know we didn't go super, super in depth, but a lot of that is on my part because I have been absolutely terrible at listening to anything that isn't a podcast I'm editing. (laughs) Hey, we've been at this for, by my count, about 37 and a half minutes, which is about the length of a Jimmy Eat World record. So we're, we're good. Perfect. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.